This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. This is Andrew Jobling, and welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another week. I've just had this wonderful conversation with Yogi Aaron. He is currently living in Costa Rica after 10 years in the Big Apple, New York, after coming from Vancouver. And he's a man who is on a mission to help people live pain-free. Clearly, he's a yogi. He's written a couple of books, one called Autobiography of a Naked Yogi. So you want to read that one, definitely. But the one he's really focused on at the moment has a very basic title, and it's called Stop Stretching. And Aaron is very, very passionate in his message that stretching is not the right thing to do if you want to become pain-free. In fact, it's contradictory. He's got a pretty unique story. He's suffered with pain for most of his life, which certainly wasn't helped when he was hit by a boulder in the Himalayas and snapped his femur. That's not an easy thing to do. He's learned to get himself back through his practice to become pain-free, and now he's helping other people. So this is a wonderful conversation. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Yogi Aaron. I am sitting with a yogi on a mission. G'day, Yogi Aaron. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's so good to be here, mate. You're sitting in your home in Costa Rica, correct? Yes, that is correct. And you said you're just about to head off to your beach place. Where's your beach place? Is that still in Costa Rica? Yeah. So where I am right now is in San Jose, Costa Rica, which is like the capital. It's usually where most people fly into. And my place is what's considered the south of Costa Rica in the Corcovado. It's right on the beach. And the Corcovado National Park sits on the Osa Peninsula. And it's considered to hold 2.5% of the earth's biodiversity in like this little tiny, tiny, tiny spot of Costa Rica. So it's a really majestic. What do you mean biodiversity? Like when you count all of the life on the planet in terms of like animals and insects and, you know, the whole kit and caboodle of land animals, then 2.5% of like all species are considered to be in this little space in Costa Rica. Awesome, mate. So you've got snakes, you've got rats, you've got <laughs> frogs, you've got lizards, you've got insects of all kinds. Yeah? There. It's an open house. <laughs> Just come on in. Quite honestly, sincerely, and I'm not being glib, you know, sometimes there's like four species of Costa Rica or monkeys in Costa Rica. And sometimes we have all four circling our property. It's quite something. Oh, that's so cool. We were talking about going with the flow and and you said you're up for that. And I thought, well, that's lucky speaking to a yogi who doesn't go with the flow. That's a problem. Now you were saying you're a New York yogi. Yes. Born and bred? No, I'm actually from Vancouver, Canada. And when I was around 28, I moved to New York just to do something different. I really felt like I could make a difference teaching yoga there. And I just felt like it would be a really cool thing to do. And then I ended up staying for 10 years. And so it really kind of, I don't know if propelled is the right word, but it accelerated my career. Um, I really found my community. And then from there, I was able to branch out and become the super yogi that I am today. Super yogi. 
Super yogi. <laughs> so were you in New York City? Yes, I lived there for 10 years. Oh my, right what a massive city. experience that must have been. It was crazy. I lived there for 10 years and moved seven times. <laughs> okay, wow. Well, I guess you lived light then. You didn't gather lots of stuff. You kept yeah. the light so you could, moving was an easy thing. You yogis, you just cruise through one place to the next. You know, there's an expression, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I think like that's such a great thing for yogis to hold on to. But when I was 28 and I moved from Vancouver, the short story is that I had to make a decision between moving all my stuff or buying new stuff. And when I found out how much it was going to cost to move it, it was going to cost more to move it than to buy new stuff. And at that moment, I really realized the impermanence of life, the impermanence of everything. Everything is impermanent. And once I realized that, it was like this great weight lifted off my shoulders. Because in life, I think when we're young, we're told that we need it, you know, a house, a car and stuff to fill those things. And I realized like that was just, I don't want to say a lie. That's not the right word, but it's just a myth. Like it's not something that well, we have to choose to do. Well, it is a lie to say you need that. Sure. Is a lie because we don't need that. We might want that. We might desire that. We might enjoy that. But to say we need it, I think is a yeah. lie. And we get told lies all the time, don't we? Doesn't society throw all sorts of lies at us every single day about what we should do, how we should live, where we should live, what we should do for work, how much money we should have, how we should look, all this sort of stuff, which as you said, just builds this burden and stress. And when you can get out from underneath yeah. that, that's when you can really enjoy the beauty that life has to yeah, offer. I guess I didn't want to say lie, like, because lie denotes this idea that somebody is telling us something, but I don't really think it's like somebody, I think it's just our, built into our human DNA. Like human beings are so afraid of loss, you know, and, and we can get into a discussion about what that really means. But in order to cover that fear, we surround ourselves with stuff. And we think gives us meaning when it really doesn't, because that stuff is going to die shortly <laughs> or disappear or burn up or get lost in a flood as many people are experiencing these days. So I think for me, like I just realized, like, you know, as long as I've got myself, that's all that matters, you know, and I can easily go and get something if I need it. I don't need to carry it around in life. <laughs> yeah, what an awesome it was thing. A huge, it was a huge burden lifted off my shoulders. And every time I buy something now, it's always with that, like, realization, this could be gone. I could drive off the lot with the new car and boom, you know, somebody T-bones me and my car is totaled. So having that awareness decreases so much stress in my life. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good message, isn't it? And you don't need to be a yogi to live that way. That's important as a yogi, but I think it's important for every single person to be able to let go of these attachments that we have to things that we think are important that are actually not really what's yeah. important in life. So anyway, mate, we're getting deep pretty quickly into this, aren't we? So we better hold off. <laughs> Can I tell you a really quick, funny story? Yes, um, please. Really, really fast. So when I started leading yoga retreats in 2002, in the second retreat, I led a fire ritual. And the idea was to burn everything that you don't want to carry with you, as most people do. But it was a really potent ritual that I led. And so anyways, the short story is somebody went home and within a couple of days, their apartment burned down. <laughs> 
so I was like, and he was able to be really light about it. And he said, you know, I guess I burned more than I bargained for. <laughs> he didn't go home and deliberately burn down his apartment, did he? No, 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 no. He didn't do that. It was some electrical thing in the building. But uh, I just think like, you know, it's like burn, baby, burn. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Anyway, if you're listening to this, please don't burn down your apartment. Don't do that. But, but you can get rid of stuff that you don't need and which is a lot of stuff. So Yogi Aaron, he won't tell me yes. his surname because he is Yogi Aaron. Just tell us quickly, mate, what are you doing now? What's exciting you about what you do at the moment? Well, there's a few things on the plate, but my biggest passion right now is through my own sort of chronic pain journey is realizing like stretching isn't really the thing to do. And I've always kind of known that yoga is not about stretching and how flexible you can become. But I always for 25 years really pursued that practice and it was always about deepening my practice and how far I could put my foot behind my head. And it kind of culminated when I ended up in an orthopedic surgeon's office who said to me, like, you're going to probably need a spinal fusion. And that was kind of a big light bulb moment, like what I was doing was not working. So I made the decision to kind of invest myself into studying muscle function and understanding the body. And as I dove into that, I realized like there's so many myths in the yoga world and so I've kind of made it my mission right now to flip the script on flexibility and stretching. And the either side of that is that people can actually become pain-free when we start using the body in a way that it's supposed to be used rather than in a way that we try and bend it to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you've written a couple of books, Aaron. The first one I'm looking at right now says, Stop Stretching in Big Bold Letters. So yes. <laughs> all of those of us that for so many years have been told how important it is to stretch and flexibility, yes. well, Big Yogi Aaron says stop it. And then the autobiography of a naked yogi. Hmm. <laughs> I think we've got some stuff to discuss. What we might do is have a break. I need to prepare myself to talk about the naked yogi. We'll be back in a sec. Be inspired. Be engaged, get motivated, and make real change in your life and the people around you. Andrew Jobling knows how to inspire. On stage, he's riveting and engaging. Andrew is helping audiences around the world live their best life. Book him for a face-to-face -face or an online event. Go to andrewjobling.com.au to find out more. It's a shame we're only doing audio Aaron, because you're planning on getting naked, I'm assuming, being the naked yogi. So it's a shame people aren't going to be able to see it, but I will. So you don't I'll have just, to ask me twice. <laughs> I'll, what's in the water in Costa Rica? Just for people that can't see what's going on, Aaron's almost spit his water everywhere out of his mouth when I made that comment. Anyway, let's move away from nudity for the moment. Stop stretching. It's a pretty powerful and blanket statement. It doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation. It's pretty much as it is. Stop yeah. stretching. Tell us why stretching is something that you are recommending people stop doing. I really struggled when I was coming up with the title for this. And it just seemed like that's what I'm really trying to say to people is just stop stretching. So why not just say it? And, you know, it can be, it is a little bit of a negative statement, 
affirmative negative statement in some people's ears. But the reason why is just because it is debilitating to muscle function. One of the things that I kind of learned and why I ended up in the surgeon's office was because my muscles were not supporting my lower back properly. My muscles weren't supporting my hips. So there was a lot of, for lack of better words, instability. And that instability was creating inflammation, which then in turn created pain. And so the stretching I was doing was not helping. And what I've come to learn is like stretching debilitates muscle function. It disconnects the brain to the muscles. So if you think about like a phone line between the muscles and the brain, when you stretch, it's literally like taking a pair of gardening shears. Now, why is that important to know? Well, if you're going to go exercise, say, for example, you're a bodybuilder and a lot of people when they work out, they're going to lift weights. They do all of these kind of stretches in their arms. They stretch their pecs. But when you do that, you lose all the force output that you need to be lifting those weights. And so open yourself up to becoming more vulnerable to injuries. And the same can be said for anybody in any sports, runners, and then, of course, yogis. Yeah. So instead of stretching, yeah, what do you do? What's the important thing? Is it mobility? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of the word. What are you you're trying to get people to do? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're going to go and say, for example, you're a bodybuilder, you want to do things and you're doing an upper body workout. I'll use that as an example. You want to do things that are going to start activating your pecs. And what I mean by activate, it's not like you're trying to strengthen the pecs or something like that. You know, when I first started working out in the gym and I was very young and and somebody taught me, they said, before you do any exercises, do some light weights and do them really slowly. And it took me, you know, many years to figure out what that really meant. But what it really meant was I'm at an unconscious level connecting my brain to those muscles so that those muscles can contract and contract on demand. And so then I can be prepared to use stronger weights. So that's kind of like what it means in a nutshell is you're doing like exercises. So a lot of times, not all the time, but I've been to certain fitness classes, specifically CrossFit, where the trainer, and again, I'll use the upper body as an example, they'll do like, they take the arms out and do like arm circles, you know, and do them really slowly and then do variations of it, lift the arms up higher. Now you're starting to engage, if you will, or activate all the muscles that are going to be withstanding stress. And so that's what you want to do is you just want to do, and the other word for it is isometrics. Okay. So So it's awareness and activation by the sound of it is more important than the stretching side of it. Yeah. Awareness is part of it. You know, there's a lot of talk about this mind-body connection, and, and I have a lot to say about that which is the important to do. But what I'm talking about is connecting at an unconscious level. A muscle's ability to contract on demand is not a conscious thing. It's something that happens at the autonomic nervous system. So another way of saying that is like, say, for example, you're shopping and you're lifting up your grocery bags and you're bringing them to the car. Well, when you bend over and lift it up, there's certain muscles that have to contract in order to stabilize your your upper body, right? Well, if they're not contracting, you throw your back out, you hurt your back. And some people experience a deep spasm in their back all of a sudden. That is a sign of a weakened system. So where I come in is like, let's get the system stronger. I'm not about like lifting weights. It's not about exercising. It's just about doing very simple 
small isometrics to, again, reconnect the brain to the muscles. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. <laughs> I, it blows me away because when I'm leading trainings, within six to 10 days, everybody becomes pain-free. Wow. Yeah. You're yeah. a magician as well as a yogi. So <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back, Aaron. Let's go back. Tell us a bit about your background, your journey. And I know you've had some injury. I know when we caught up initially, you told me about a little bit of a mishap you had on a mountain in the Himalayas. Yes. Tell yes. us a bit about that journey and how this has all evolved for you to create this incredible passion for what you do now. Yeah, I mean, I have a huge history of chronic pain and, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say culminated, but exacerbated when one of my big passions is hiking and leading people on adventures. And I was leading this group of people in the Himalayan mountains. It's, if you look on the map, you can find Gungo tree. And we were about 25 kilometers, we're actually 27 kilometers from Gungo tree deep in the Himalayas. And we had overnighted in this place called Tapovan. And then next morning we were coming down the mountain and it was like a really euphoric moment because we were coming down, the sun was just rising and it was the very last day. And it was kind of like breathing a sigh of relief because I thought we've made it, we're almost there, you know? And then all of a sudden somebody yelled, look up, look up. And as I looked up, this boulder the size of a basketball came rolling down the mountain and hit my femur bone. Oh, um, yes. My femur literally broke right in half. And your listeners can't see it, but I'm describing like, you know, it literally. Well, hang on, a femur, that's your big one in your leg, your femur. That's, to break a yeah. femur, that takes ridiculous yeah. force. Like yeah. that's a bone that, to have that broken, mate, that's a big deal. I'm guessing that hurt just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, you know, when, when you see those action movies and the hero, you know, gets his leg broken in half, but then somehow manages to do this karate kick. It's all smoke and mirrors because I can tell you that doesn't happen. You went down like a bag of shit. Oh my God. Well, and so I was stuck on that mountain, you know, it was about eight in the morning and we told a few of the guys, go ahead. There was an Indian army base nearby, said in a helicopter and by about four o'clock in the afternoon, we realized no help was coming. The sun was setting. And that was like, I was 35. I just turned 35. And it was really an interesting moment because I, there was a moment when I thought, am I really going to get off this mountain? Anyways, help did arrive, not in the form of a helicopter. I ended up getting carried down. And we managed to arrive in Gungo Tree, you know, at 12 o'clock at night to an ambulance waiting for me. But I still had oh, another man. three days before I ended up in Delhi getting surgery on my leg because there was landslides and, you know, traffic and all kinds of stuff. I know what India's like, mate. There's elephants and camels <laughs> walking down the road and rickshaws. Yeah, it was all an interesting experience. But I made it through. I had the surgery. It ended up being really good. I had many doctors look at it, you know, in the US after, and they said, whatever you did was really solid work. So, you know, I thank the spirits for <laughs> guiding me on that journey. <laughs> but it was many years to put myself back together again after that. And a lot of the issues that I had, the underlying issues just kind of blew up after that experience. All the other 
structural issues you had? Yeah, yeah, all the other structural issues. I had had back issues and, you know, hip issues and just issues with instability that was getting exacerbated by all of the stretching I was doing. And so by the time I had this happen to me, you know, it just caused more issues. But I ended up going back to, you know, stretching and doing more of that and thinking that that was the solution to, you know, the problems. And like I said, I ended up in a, another surgeon's office wanting to do a spinal fusion in my lower back. Isn't it funny how we keep doing the same things? Because we've got this idea that we've been so conditioned that that's what you've got to do. That's how you've got to handle it. And even though it doesn't work, we keep doing it. It's that whole definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different to happen. So tell us about when you said, right, clearly the stretching is not working. I need to do something different. Yeah. Tell us about the process from there. Yeah, sure. I had a friend, well, someone who worked on me, and I always call him my guy. His name is Eric, and he's kind of a master of everything when it comes body. But one of the things about Eric is every time he worked on me, I would go in with a spasm back or, you know, a really bad neck. And after a session with him of like 90 minutes, I walked out and I'd be pain free. And unlike a massage where you kind of feel good momentarily, his session actually kept me going for like a long time. And I kind of talked to him one time after actually after that incident of going to the orthopedic surgeon's office. I flew to New York and spent eight days with him. And over that time, I really got to understand a little bit more about muscle activation technique and how it works and how stretching really debilitates us. He actually did this one thing on me, and that was like another light bulb moment to how detrimental stretching was. He got a group of muscles really strong, and then he did this one very simple, it was so passive, this stretch. And it wasn't like an invasive stretch. It wasn't like I was going, no, no, it was just very simple. I didn't even know he was doing it. But then he went back and tested those muscles and they tested weak. And at that moment, I decided that I wanted to learn about muscle activation technique. And as I got into muscle activation technique, of course, it was a deep dive into anatomy and muscle function. And what I realized was being a yoga teacher for 25 years and thinking, you know, I knew something about the body, I realized I didn't know anything. And if I didn't know anything, there was very few other yoga teachers that would know anything. And just if you take a thousand yoga teachers, and you ask them, why are muscles tight? And what is the purpose of a muscle function? They won't be able to tell you a thousand out of a thousand won't be able to answer that question. They may give you some euphoric, interesting answer, but they won't really be able to tell you. And so I kind of, when I got into muscle activation technique, it was like, how do I start to translate this into yoga and start to offer people in yoga, like solid, scientific, concrete information? So what's the answer what to those questions? Well, the answer is, why are muscles tight? Tightness is a sign of the body trying to protect itself. The body senses instability. So I don't know how much ice you get down under, but up here in the Northern hemisphere, when it gets really cold and we step on ice, you know, that first ice in the winter or fall, late fall, you kind of step on it and you slip a little bit. What does your body do? It tightens up. If somebody scares you, jumps out and scares you, what do you do? You scream and then you tighten up. And it's just a natural protective mechanism. When the body senses instability, it just starts to freeze up. You think about when you injure yourself, you start to notice there's like a tightness 
that's a rigidity. And so the absolute wrong thing to do from a biomechanical perspective and even like an emotional perspective is to violate your own body's protective mechanisms by trying to force a group of muscles to open. What yep. we do want to do is start to address why is that tightness there? Well, it's usually because a group of muscles are not working properly and they're not contracting and contracting on demand. So muscle function, you know, muscles, the explanation for how muscles function is supposed to work is muscles contract to do two things, basically. Muscles contract to move bones and to stabilize joints. And so anytime you have back pain, anytime you have hip pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, whatever, it's always a sign that you have muscles that are not working properly. The wrong thing to do is to stretch because you're just going to exacerbate that tightness in the long run. You're never really going to deal with the issue, which is, you know, that muscles are not working to stabilize that area. Very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Isn't it, it is fascinating. It really is because I'm a sportsman. Well, an ex-sportsman and played sport for a lot of my life. And yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of injuries, soft tissue injuries, and always stretch, 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 and then but, but stretch and then go out and tear it again. Yeah, if you have a lot of soft tissue injuries, you know the question is like, where are they, and what group of muscles are supporting that joint? Start to. I don't want to say exercise, like, for example, if you have knee problems, like one of the traditional things about knees, it's like, if you've got knee problems, go do knee extensions, but that's not always the right thing to do. You want to get those muscles working properly and connected to the brain. And so if they start to get connected, then they're going to start working properly and they'll get stronger that way. Yeah. And it's all about making sure the movement is functional. Like a leg extension is not a functional movement. <laughs> when do you wander around just straightening your leg, lifting your knee and straight, you don't, but you squat and you lunge and you lift and you step up yes. and you do all sorts of stuff. Okay. So Yogi Aaron, what we're going to do is have another quick break and then we're going to come back and you have made a claim that you can get people pain-free very quickly. Yes. So 100% guaranteed. You've got it nailed. No doubt in your mind. <laughs> all right. All right. We're going to put you to the test after a quick break. Ooh. We'll be back. Hey, this is Yogi Aaron, and if you're looking to become pain-free, go to Amazon and look for my book, Stop Stretching, A New Yogic Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free. Also, please go to my website, yogiaaron.com, that's Y-O-G-I-A-A-R-O-N.com. Check out everything that I'm offering. There's so many freebies there dedicated to help you live your best pain-free life. This is our last session, Aaron. So we've got to talk about nudity is obviously a very important part of this podcast. Your autobiography of a naked yogi, we've got to ask the question, what's that all about? So when I was in New York, um, the short story is that I basically started a naked men's yoga group. And so that's where the nakedness came from, where the nudity came from. All my life, I'd actually liked being naked. I used to do canoe trips in boarding school up in Northern Canada. And, you know, we just tore off our clothes and we'd go swimming, you know, in the waterfalls or rivers or lakes. And when I moved to Vancouver, uh, moved back home to Vancouver, I started hanging out at the naked beach. And one day I was like, it's so cool to just start a naked yoga class. And then when I moved to New York, I just saw the doorway open up and I walked through it. And I thought it would be kind of something I would do for like six months and it would just die out. It would just die a natural death. It would fizzle away. 
And what ended up happening was this beautiful, wonderful community started growing in New York. And then from there, I just started uh, leading yoga retreats and traveling around the world, leading different workshops. I have to tell you a really quick, funny story. It's in my book, actually. But one of my great dreams was to lead a retreat in Australia and take a group of men up to Ayers Rock by Ella Springs. But of course, you know, I had no intention of leading naked yoga there. I just wanted to have a retreat and then do this kind of expedition. So we pull up there, we get to Ayers Rock, we pull up, you know, in the guard station. The first thing the guy says, are you that naked yoga group? <laughs> what, the guard at Ayers Rock? The guard. It was the very first thing that he said. I had no idea that my reputation really wow. did it preceded you. And <laughs> did you get naked on Ayers Rock? That's the question. Absolutely not. We honored the situation and we promised that we wouldn't, but it was just really funny that literally it was 4.30 in the morning or something. So I don't know, somehow my reputation ran ahead of me. <laughs> famous around the world for nudity. Yes. Well, yes. there's worse things you could be famous for. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for the naked truth. So Aaron, tell us a bit about if someone's listening to this and they've got pain yeah, and they want to get out of pain, what would you recommend for them? Well, there's a few things. Uh, one is on my website, I have a seven-day pain-free series. And part of what I try to do is educate people a little bit about their muscles and what's creating stability in their muscular system. You know, you always hear like, you know, gym trainers and people like, oh, you've got to engage your abdominals and that's going to help you. And that's not really true. There's like, and, and from a muscle activation perspective, a lot of people are actually causing more stress to their system, which is not helping them. So what I do is just teach people very simple muscle activation techniques. I go through the different, I call it the seven muscular systems of the body. There are more, but for my purposes, I narrow it down to seven to make it digestible and just teach people like what is the number one basic muscle that stabilizes. Of course, there's more than that, but that's like, what are the key muscles? And it's just, I get emails like almost daily from people now who are telling me like their pain history and how much this has really helped them. But then, you know, I really encourage people just to get my book, start learning more. You don't try and feel like you have to learn it like in one day, but that you can start to take little bites and put it to practice and take more bites and put it into practice. And if you start using the system, you will help your body enormously and get pain-free very quickly, actually. Guaranteed. Well, I never guarantee anything because I don't know. It's like you help somebody and then they go and get blastered you know, <laughs> in the bar and whoop it up. So yeah. what, what people are doing in their lives to mess themselves up, I can't take responsibility. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> it's the same way when I was a personal trainer. I knew for two or three hours a week, they were perfect. Yeah. They were spot on. Everything they were doing is right. Yes. And then they'd come back to me and say, why aren't I getting results? And it's like, well, I don't know what you're doing in between the sessions. What are you yeah. putting into your body? What exercise are you doing, not doing? That's the thing, isn't it? My mother got a lot of benefits and gets a lot of benefits. And it's actually really working for her. But last summer, she was saying to me like, oh, well, I was doing some of your exercises, but I'm getting so much pain. And then I find out like, yeah, she's been gardening eight hours a day, five days a week, bent over, you know, squatting down, doing all of these things. And it's kind of like, 
yeah, it's going to help you, but you're 75 years old, you're gardening, you know, 40 hours a week. What do you want me to do? Yeah, it's funny. Isn't it? It's not working. It's not working. <laughs> but yeah, I guarantee like if you follow the rules of a Yama and you will get pain free, it's pretty much promised. So so on your website, that's all there. People yes. can find that information, which we'll give the link to your website shortly. This has been a wonderful conversation. I think let's just go there. Let's just go mind body a little bit because I think pain is for a lot of people. It's in my body. Sometimes pain comes from trauma, mental, Mm -hmm. emotional trauma in our lives. Give us your take on the mind body connection and what people can do again in this desire to help people live pain free, what they can do from a mindset point of view to help them in that process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I believe both are really important, addressing the mind, but also addressing the body. And, you know, some people just focus on one and forget the other one. But what I want to say is like, anytime we have trauma, trauma is going to create stress. And anytime we have stress, there's going to be an inflammatory response, whether that stress is physiological or psychological. And inflammation is never a good thing. And so when we do see these incidences, and and quite often, I don't want to make it sound rare, it's quite often that we see people, you know, doing some sort of, you know, relaxation practice or some sort of releasing practice. What are they doing? They're really letting go of their stress. So in the yoga philosophy and the yoga systemology, one of the things that we offer is like relaxation practices. And we so often see people's lives just turn around in those relaxation practices. One of them is called yoga nidra, which is referred to as yogic sleep. And sometimes it's guided, sometimes it's, you know, you do it on your own. But there has been so many scientific studies done on yoga nidra in relationship to trauma and people suffering from PTSD and how they're able to overcome that and how it's the one thing that really helps them. And, and I believe one of the reasons, there's there's many, of course, but one of them is, is that physiological response of reducing stress. And so if we can start to create an environment, like there's a lot to say about running a warm bath, you know, lighting some candles and having a little bit of wine. There is definitely a nice physiological release to that, you know, response to that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it's when we move out of the sympathetic nervous system into that parasympathetic nervous system, that body moves into a state of healing. Yes, I think absolutely. that's when our body can actually heal itself, when we just get out of our head. The most yes. dangerous place in the world is in your head. <laughs> got to get out of our head and just enjoy the beauty that's all around. And there's so much yes. beauty all around us, isn't there? Be motivated and inspired by what surrounds you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yogi, Aaron, what a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything you've shared. It's been wonderful. Now, tell us about your website. How do people find that? What's the link and how do people reach out to you? Sure. I think the number one thing, if people are listening to go to Amazon, get my book, stop stretching, (laughs) stop already, bad yogi. And then, (laughs) and or go to my website, yogiaron.com. 
Um, that's Aaron with two A's. And there's, like I said, there's a ton of free stuff there. It's a portal into everything I'm doing, my YouTube channel, the practices they can access. There's a lot of great information. I have a blog that we post tons of great material on there as well. So do take a look around. You're a very generous man. Thank you. I'm on a mission to help as many people become pain-free and I believe that if we can become pain-free, we can direct that energy towards uh, fulfilling the pain, of our life. Pain affects everything, doesn't it? Pain yeah. can stop us in our tracks from really living the life that's there for us to live. Yeah. So it's been wonderful chatting to the Naked Yogi. So thank you, Aaron, for that. And thank you for everything you've shared. And keep doing what you do. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next Naked Yoga group down under. <laughs> Please let me know. I'll be there. Like most men, I love being naked. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Andrew. What a wonderful conversation with Yogi Aaron. What a lively and energetic man he is doing great things with his practices, his website, his books, really having an impact on helping people live a life that is pain-free. So if you would like to be pain-free or like to learn how to be pain-free or you know someone who would like to be pain-free, then go to Aaron's website, which is Yogi Aaron, Y-O-G-I-A-A-R-O-N.com, and you can check him out. You can get his books. You can check his blogs and all of his YouTube videos and all the stuff he has there. We all deserve to live pain-free. So follow some of what Yogi Aaron is suggesting, and that will absolutely happen. He's pretty confident about that. Anyway, it was a wonderful conversation. Thanks for being with me this week. It was another fabulous week, as it always is. This is a really strong message for a lot of people who live with pain. They don't have to live with pain, so please pass this on to them. Please join me next week. I will definitely be back. My name is Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. Podcast.